Good morning. Welcome to Cornerstone. My name is Morgan. Um, we're glad that you've chosen to join us in worship this morning on this New Year's Eve. Some announcements and things going on in the life of the church this week. Um, I know that a lot of you would like to start off your year right by visiting me in the office tomorrow morning, but um, you'll have to wait on that. So the office will be closed tomorrow um, for New Year's Day. Um, so if you come around the building, it will be, uh, will be closed. But the rest of the week will be normal schedule. Um, next Saturday at 8 a.m. is the next men's breakfast. So join uh, the men for breakfast, fellowship, and a talk. Hear from Steve Keller. Chris Sicali and Co. Van Herwarden, who will talk about faith in the racing community. Um, so if that's of interest to you, you're interested in that, come out next Saturday at 8 a.m. This coming Wednesday at 9 a.m., if you're available and you would like to help us de-decorate the church, um, we'll be doing that Wednesday at 9 a.m. Uh, so if you're available and you want to come out, uh, that's when the time is to do that. Um, so as we start our time in worship this morning, uh, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, thank you for being able to gather this morning. Lord, we pray that you would be present among us, that our worship would be focused on you, for you are worthy of it all. Lord, as we reflect on this past year and think about the year ahead, Lord, we pray that our focus would be on you in every way. Pray this all in your name. Amen. Amen. And um, let's all stand for worship together. I feel like this morning God gave me a, a, a word um, that is fullness. And this time of year, especially what we've just come through over the last few days, it, life was really full, right? Full, of, full house, full bellies, full uh, bank accounts. Maybe not that. Maybe not. But um, fullness in that sense is sometimes can be overwhelming. It can be a lot. And I feel like God's trying to tell me anyway that we're supposed to be full of him. The fullness of God is supposed to be residing in, in me and uh, exuding from me. And so as, as we worship this morning, as we think about what this next year is going to bring, I'd like to encourage you to think about that. Um, how does the fullness of God look to you as we worship and as we live? I'm going to sing now. Savior is done. See how his love overcomes. He has done great things. He has done great things. Oh, hero, 
heaven, you conquer the grave. You free every captive and break every chain, oh God. You have done great things. We dance in your freedom, awake and alive. Oh Jesus, our Savior, your name lifted high, oh God. We have done great things. Oh, you've been faithful through every storm. You'll be faithful forevermore. You have done great things. And I know, and I know you will do it again. For your promises, yes and amen, you will do great things. God, you do great things. Oh, hero of heaven, you conquer the grave. You free every captive, you break every chain. Oh, God, you have done great And break every chain, oh God. You have done great things. We dance in your freedom, awake and alive. Oh Jesus, our Savior, man lifted high, oh God. You have done great things. You have done great things. Oh God, you do song we could ever sing, worthy of all the praise we could ever bring, worthy of every breath we could ever breathe, we live for you. Jesus, the name above every other 
was the only one who could ever see Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe We live for you Oh, we live for you Holy Holy There is no one like you There is none beside you Open up my eyes in wonder And show me who you are And fill me with your heart And leave me in your love to
Jesus, as we end this year and enter into a new year, God, we just surrender everything down to you. Our family, our friends, our job, our life situations. God, we want to start the new year. As Isaiah says, forget the former things. See, I am doing a new thing. Do you not perceive it? God, we want more of you. We surrender to you now. Thank you, Jesus. We love you. Amen. You may be seated. December 31st was a great time to look back. Um, And so before I lead us in a prayer, I want you to go to the Lord by yourself and think about all of the ways that God has been faithful to you this year. So bow your head now and spend a few seconds thanking God for all of the ways that he has been faithful to you this past year. Lord, you are faithful to us in every season of our lives. In every season that we could ever encounter, you are faithful to us. And this year was no different. So, Lord, we thank you for everything that's been prayed here just now, Lord. That for all of the ways that you have been faithful to us this past year and for all the ways that you've been faithful to us that we aren't even aware of or the things that aren't even coming into our minds, Lord. You are faithful always. Lord, we thank you for how you have been faithful to us, how you have been faithful to this church this past year and every year. Lord, this is also a good time to look ahead. We know that you will be faithful to us in the future. And Lord, we eagerly anticipate all that you will do in us and in this church this next year. Lord, you will be faithful to us this next year and you will work in us and you will do a new thing, Lord, and we eagerly anticipate that. You are the one, Lord, who is over all, greater than all. Lord, fill us with more of you in our lives Lord, we can't build our lives on anything other than you. You are the only one on whom we can rest and trust. So, Lord, fill us individually and collectively as a church body. Lord, fill us with more of you. Fill us with more of yourself. Lord, that we might be filled with you and overflow so that we can be a light to the world. Lord, we thank you for how you've been faithful to us and how you will be faithful to us. We pray this all in your holy and precious and glorious name. Amen.
<clears throat> the staff has had the week off. So no slides today, is that all right? Okay, good, okay, good, just making sure, make sure all right. Hey, uh, here we are on not only the, the last Sunday of 2023, but the last day of 2023. And um, there's been a little hint, I think, in, in Morgan's prayer. Um, I even picked up in, in worship that um, it's not just going to be the start of a new year, but new things. I want you to just hold on to that as we go through this sermon. And um, I'm going to share kind of a lot of things with you today, I believe. But what we are doing today is we are starting a new sermon series that we hope and pray will be more than just a collection of messages, but it will, will really serve as a guide um, as we begin a new journey as Cornerstone Church. And I want you to hear that. That's not just kind of a, oh, a, a, a cute little phrase to introduce a new year, but we really are at a place where we're, we're going to be beginning a new journey as a church. Um, the sermon series, just so you know, is rooted in the books of Exodus and Numbers, and we're going to call it God at Work in the Wilderness, all right? Um, we're going to be studying the Israelites' journey from uh, Egypt to Canaan, which is the promised land. And just so you know, that is a journey from slavery and bondage into a new hope, uh, into a new future, into a new life with God, into a new home. And so what we're going to do is we're going to explore the challenges that the people of God faced, um, the obstacles that they had to overcome, not only physically all around them, but the obstacles that were in them, um, because they were a people that God had big plans for. And so the wilderness for them was a place of incredible life lessons, um, because we're going to be venturing into God's future for us, God's highest and best for Cornerstone Community Church in the years ahead. And so today what I'll do is, this is a bit of an intro, so I'm going to kind of set the stage a little bit, and then next week we're going to jump into the text, okay? Um, the journey of the Israelites involves three settings. I think we know this. Um, first of all, we have Egypt, boo to Egypt. Um, we have the promised land, yay for the promised land, and then we have the wilderness, okay? We have that, that huge 40-year block. And, and typically in churches, this is the way it goes, uh, we, we will preach about Egypt. You know, we'll talk about the bondage, the things that need to be broken, all of that. Egypt gets a lot of attention in the church. The promised land, and we love to talk about the promised land, you know, I mean, milk and honey and, you know, everything's new and life begins. But the wilderness historically is more of a reference point for the church. Um, you know, we, we might preach a sermon here and there about the wilderness, but we we don't usually journey with the people through the wilderness because the wilderness is a place we'd rather not be. Uh, the wilderness is a place of some pain, some hardship. Um, it's inconvenient. Um, it also deals with, with the need for change in the people of God, uh, the dynamics of change, the obstacles we face when it comes to that horrible word change. Uh, the wilderness also, we see this, we'll see this in the weeks ahead. The wilderness deals with idols in our lives, and we all got them. They might be a little different for, you know, this person and that person, but it deals with idols. Um, the wilderness deals with our crippling desire for comfort. The, the wilderness challenges us uh, to let go of some things. And it also brings up the fears we have of, of new things. 
And yet, here's what we're going to discover in the wilderness uh, journeying series. We're going to discover in the wilderness that it was so worth the journey. That God had so much for his people in the wilderness. In other words, what we're going to see with the, with the Israelites was, and I'm going to say it, they needed the wilderness. The wilderness served them well. Uh, it was that journey of change that led to new life and to new freedom, okay? So that's what's coming. Um, one other final, final note about the wilderness that I think is very interesting. Um, people have said throughout the years, whenever they bring up this journey from Egypt to Canaan, the promised land, that it was a journey that should have only taken 11 days, all right? Or if you include Sabbath, 14 days. And if you open up to the back of your Bibles and you, you, know, you, op- you look at the map and you physically map it out, that is a true statement. It is a true statement that on a straight out march, the people of Israel could have made it to the promised land in 14 days. Here's where the, 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 the statement falls apart, though. But you hear people say the only reason that the people of Israel were in the desert or in the wilderness for 40 years was because of their whining and their complaining. That's actually not accurate. I will say this. Now, according to Scripture, 40 years was too long. They shouldn't have been there that long. But God led them into the wilderness to minister to them. Okay, God took his people into the wilderness to heal them, to cleanse them, to introduce them to himself. God took his people there so he could show them who he was and build trust. So, was 40 years too long? Yeah, probably way too long. Would they have made it in two weeks? Never under any circumstances because of God, what God wanted to do there, okay? So, having said that, we'll get into Exodus next week. But today we are going to focus on one verse of scripture, and then we're going to talk about us, okay? Now, when I say us, we're going to talk about the church in North America, the Western church, and we're going to talk about Cornerstone, okay? So let me introduce the verse of scripture to you, and then you guys look interested. You look like you're with me today. So here we go. Jeremiah 6.16, which is one of my life verses, which says, stand at the crossroads And look, ask for the ancient paths, ask where the good way is and walk in it, and you will find rest for your souls. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you, Lord. We thank you that you make all things new. And God, I thank you today for that cycle of a a year that ends and is in the rearview mirror and a new one that is before us. And Father, I'll just say that I really believe that you were up to something very big in your church in this nation. And so, Lord, give us the grace today just to talk about where we are as a church in America, where we are as Cornerstone Church, and God, where you're calling us. I thank you for your goodness, your love, and Father, that uh, you have promised land for your people. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so for us, let's start off with Cornerstone Church. We are kind of like the Israelites in a way. Uh, the, The pre Egypt Israelites in that we have an incredible history with God. I hope you know that. Cornerstone Community Church, has, and we've been named other things in the past, we have an incredible history with God. God has been so good to this church in times past. In fact, I'll say this, it is a miracle that we're still here. 
I mean, think about how many churches in this nation can say, hey, here we are, 153 years after we began, we are still here. Folks, that, that's a miracle. Yeah, that, I mean, that's a woohoo and a hallelujah. It really is. Um, Randy, by the way, I don't know if Randy McSwain's here, he did a marvelous job of just chronicling the highlights of how God has used this church in this community. And so for us, Cornerstone, we should be incredibly thankful. We should be incredibly thankful that we have been a part of God's work in Greeley as long as there has been a Greeley. Woo-hoo, Vaughn, come on, right on, woo-hoo. But here's the thing, we should also feel a very deep responsibility over God's kingdom work in this community in the days ahead. Now, I want to stop, okay, leave Cornerstone for a little bit. I want to stop and talk a little bit about the Egypt that I believe the American church finds itself in in these days. I believe the church, the Western church, finds itself in a kind of Egypt today. Uh, thank God it doesn't involve a pharaoh and forced labor. Um, but, but it does include a very real bondage, I believe, among the people of God in this nation during this time. And listen, I'm talking to you as somebody who loves the church. Um, I have dedicated my life thus far to serving the church but I do believe that the American church has for some time been sliding into a form of apostasy that is becoming our Egypt, a place of real bondage. And just consider this, okay? And some of you may have gasped uh, because of that word I used, apostasy. Um, apostasy is a big word. It's a loaded word. It's a huge charge to make. But just, just consider it, okay? Uh, so what I'll do is I'm going to define what apostasy is and just invite you to consider how perhaps as a church in this nation, we might be guilty of this. Um, apostasy, just so you know, has a few different definitions. It is the abandonment and the rejection of biblical belief. That's one, one definition. Um, another one similar to that is denial and refusal to follow and obey, in our case, the Word of God. Or it could be this, belief that is based on knowledge and theory, but not on action and lifestyle, okay? Um, and we see this at one particular moment in, in church history. There are actually several, but one big one called the Protestant Reformation. Uh, some of us are familiar with this, aren't we, Jonathan, the Protestant Reformation? But the Protestant Reformation happened in the 16th century, and it was a reaction to major abuses in church leadership. At that time, the Roman Catholic Church uh, abuses like, and I'll list three. Um, the first one is the doctrine of papal infallibility. Okay, now here's what papal infallibility is. It is that the Pope is never wrong when he teaches on matter of faith or morals. Okay, stop and consider that for just a minute. Um, in other words, the Pope, uh, every doctrine Every decision and every directive from his lips is divine. I'm sorry, but every pope is a human being, okay? Um, so major, major problem here. So that was part of the reason for the Protestant Reformation. Another one was, the second one was that the Bible was only available in Latin, and uh, it was only available to priests. So the common person, and 
you're not common in any way, but the, the, the person on the street had no access to the word of God other than to hear it in Latin from a pope. Uh, and, and I mean, just the Bible wasn't in the hands of God's people. And then third was selling indulgences, okay? And hopefully that makes your skin crawl because that is selling salvation, okay? Um, buying our loved ones out of hell with a few bills or buying ourselves some forgiveness when, when we sins. And so the Protestant Reformation happened as a revolt against all of that, all of that apostasy. And the Protestant Reformation was meant to be a return to living out the gospel of Jesus Christ and the faith of the Bible. The Protestant Reformation um, was very Exodus-like, very, very leaving Egypt-like, in, in that it was breaking the chains of religious bondage and radically returning to a historical, biblical, evangelistic faith. Okay? So that's what it was all about. Now, here's the question for us. It has been 506 years since that happened. Okay? And the question is, how are we doing as the church five centuries later? How, how is the church doing overall, everywhere, especially in this nation, five centuries later? Um, I know we want to give ourselves a break. I know we like ourselves and every other church around. But I don't think anybody would say, man, this is the church's golden days. This is it, man. We are hitting it out of the park. Everything those guys set out to do, we are walking it out in this day and age. You know, since 2020, the church in North America, maybe the world, but I can only speak for the Western, we've been experiencing something that is now called the Great Resignation. Now, here's what the Great Resignation is. It is that since 2020, thousands of churchgoers, thousands of churchgoers have left the church. Here's a statistic for you. Now, and when I say statistic, I don't mean Steve Keller called eight churches and, well, these are my stats. But like from Barna, uh, Vanderblumen, 23% of churches since 2020 have grown or stayed the same. 77% are in decline and are experiencing decline. Now, I'm not, gonna, I'm not picking on people who attend. Let's talk about clergy now, Okay. Let's talk about pastors for a minute. When it comes to clergy and pastors, since 2020, 20,000 pastors have not changed churches. They've left the ministry. 20,000 pastors. 40 to 60% of pastors have thought about leaving. 30% think about it regularly, even daily. And then 50% say they would leave if they had another way to make a living. Wow. Okay, now we could argue statistics all day and say, well, I think it's 42%. Well, it's, but listen, the bottom line is something's wrong in the Western church. Something is wrong in the Western church, and we know it. In fact, as somebody who's been doing this now for 20, 24 years, we've been talking about this since the late 80s. I, I got involved in pastoral ministry in 1999. We've been talking about coming decline. We've been talking about the church being off track. This actually isn't something new. So we've known something is wrong for quite a while. And so the question is, what is it? What is the problem? What is the problem here? And is there a lesson for us? I believe 
and I'll just kind of throw this out there and then try to support it. I believe what happened is that we have broken away from the apostasy of the 16th century Roman Catholic Church only to slide into a new apostasy as the evangelical church. And I'm going to unpack this. And don't worry, this sermon does not end on a low note, okay? We're just talking about the issue so we can get on with a solution. Um, Okay, consider this. Most U.S. Protestant churches call ourselves something, okay? We have a name that we all adopt regardless of denomination. Starts with an E, ends with a evangelical, okay? So we call ourselves evangelical, okay? Um, the term evangelical comes from the Greek word euangelion, which means good news. Now, when the evangelical church was founded, and believe it or not, it wasn't founded in the 50s, like many of us think. It was actually founded like 1738. But when it was founded, here were the aims of the evangelical church. Is that The evangelical church aim was that we were going to bring the good news of salvation in Jesus Christ to sinners or lost people, and then together, come together and grow in the mercy, the grace, the love, the truth, the word of God, and the mission of God. That was the aim of evangelicalism. Evangelicals, and this is the 1700s, we were going to be an outward-facing, neighbor-focused, Christ-proclaiming people in the world. Some of you are picking up where I'm going with this. I can see, I, I can see, yeah. Evangelicalism called us, okay, in the beginning to embrace the Great Commission. Uh, Matthew 28, 18 through 20, which says, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. We would also do this, evangelicalism's aim was to do this in the attitude of the Great Commission, that this would happen out of a burning love for God, heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love for our neighbor. So the question is, all right, and this is for the church in America, the question is, what happened to that, okay? What happened to that? Since evangelicalism was founded, again, in 1738. I did get that right. I just saw it on my notes. And then re, kind of refounded by Billy Graham in 1950s. Consider what has happened when it comes just to evangelism in the U.S. church. All right, I'm going to give you some more quotes. These are from Bible.org and Lucan. So again, credible stuff here. Um, oh wait, that's coming in a minute. Let me, let me just say this. Uh, these, consider what's happened to the church. The last 50 years have seen an incredible rise in the Christian church of liberalism and legalism. Now, here's why that's wild. The whole reason the Protestant, or the whole reason the evangelicalism was founded in the 1700s was to break free from liberalism and legalism. But in the past 50 years, there's been an incredible rise in both of those extremes in the church. Most evangelical churches today... Um, And this is from surveys, but this is also from every pastor I know. Um, uh, They've confessed to me that their church has become incredibly inward-focused, incredibly uh, isolated as a church. And that's true of many, many, maybe most evangelical churches. Many evangelical churches today are driven more by causes, uh, personal preferences, and politics than they are the mission of Jesus Christ. Um, As a whole, the evangelical church in this nation, we have drifted 
from the life that God has called us to. We have drifted from the mission that Jesus Christ has called us to, and I believe that's part of the reason why many Christians have thrown up their hands and walked away. They've looked at the church and said, no, this is not what Jesus has called us to. And I think, I really believe, if we are people with a heart for what Christ called us to, we want to own that on, on, on some level. So I challenge us today, okay, as a church, to consider the Western church's lack of engagement in the Great Commission, that we can do that together. Um, I, 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 ch- I believe today that it is a form of apostasy where we have biblical belief in our heads, but we're not walking it out um, with our lives. So here we go. Let's take the Great Commission, for example. Let's take evangelism uh, using uh, Lusanne and Bible.org. These are, these are some stats they have on evangelism in the local church. And again, we could argue numbers, but there's a lot of truth here. They claim that 95% of all Christians have never led another person to Jesus Christ. But again, let's keep the ownership where it belongs. Let's keep it on leadership here today. They claim that 63% of all pastors, deacons, and elders uh, have not led one person to Christ in the last two to 10 years. And then 90% of all church ministries, they claim, dedicate 0% of their time to training and helping us share our faith with other people. Now consider all this against the last one, that 99% of church leadership across the country believe that every Christian is called to preach the gospel, and if they themselves as leaders had greater involvement in evangelism, in training it and sharing it, the church would flourish. You hear that? So you have the majority of pastors and leaders saying, yeah, you know, we're not doing any evangelism, sharing, training, but we really believe that if we did, our churches would flourish. Isn't that incredible? All right? So put all that behind us here, and let me just say this. The good news is this. I believe we are on the verge of a seismic shift in Western Christianity. I believe, I I really believe, folks, that there are major changes coming in the the church all over the United States. And that little word I used earlier, outward, it all hangs right there. I believe we are going to see a great turning outward of the church from life all about us to reaching our communities, our brothers and sisters for Christ, okay? So I believe this is the end, I am hoping, of this time of transition for the church all over this nation, but let me bring it back to Cornerstone, okay? Let's talk about us for a minute. Uh, I believe we, as Cornerstone Community Church, are poised for great change ourselves. Um, we have been in transition. Does anyone want to guess how long our church has been in transition? Years, but uh, how many years do you think? Nine years. Doug Brown left. Doug Brown left us in, uh, well, left you because I wasn't a part of the us then, but Doug Brown left in 2014. Since Doug left, listen to this, we have had three pastors in nine years. Now, one of them, God bless him, Don Orange, I don't think he's here today, uh, was an interim. I'm still here, right? But we've had three pastors. We've had four children's directors and four youth pastors. And currently, we are without an associate pastor Um, We're without a a full-time worship director, and our children's director is an interim. 
Now, having said that, I know that has been frustrating for some of us. And I am included in that us, by the way, uh, just so you know. It's been a frustrating time. You know, you lose key staff. Um, you know, there's some time involved. I mean, Marvin and Donnie, you know, Marvin was gone in May. I think Donnie was June or July. But, but here's the thing we're realizing as session members, okay? We are realizing we can't just quickly, randomly, blindly reload the gun and keep firing at the same target, okay? Um, in light of this unprecedented time in church history where things need to shift in the church, things need to change, what we're doing as, as a session, knowing we've got to pick up the Great Commission as a church. You know, we, we, we're not responsible for the church all over North America, but we are responsible for ourselves. We need to become more outward. We need to engage in the Great Commission. What we are doing, basically, is Jeremiah 616. Uh, someone used the term, I think Vaughn used it earlier, hold. We're in just a holding pattern. We're in a brief holding pattern as a, as a leadership. And what we're doing is Jeremiah 616, we are stopped at the crossroads. And we are looking. And we are saying, okay, God, we want to be really clear as a church leadership. Before we hire, before we program, before we do any of that, we want to be really clear that we understand what your ancient path is for us as the people of God. And we want to have eyes to see that good way so that we can walk in it as a church. And so what we're specifically doing is this. We're taking a good, long, not too long, not too long, a good, long, prayerful look at our mission statement. And we're saying, okay, Lord, we say that's who we are. Is that right? So we're paused in doing that for a few weeks. We're also taking time to do something that I am thrilled about. We are developing a three to five year specific minist uh, strategic ministry plan that holds us accountable. It holds us accountable to biblical worship. We already do pretty good there. Holds us accountable to fellowship. We do okay there. But it holds us accountable to outward, to outreach, to evangelism, to mission. And I'll tell you this, folks, as that gets clear, it's going to be very clear about who we hire, what we're all about, what our programming should be as a church. And by the way, that plan, we're going to be sharing that with you uh, mid-February, at the latest end of February. But in the meantime, here's what I want to ask you to do as a church. Pray for the elders. Pray for the elders to have ears to hear and eyes to see. Pray for us to discern God's specifics for us. And um, pray, pray for, for uh, staff as well. Just pray for our hiring as well, if, if you please will. Um, and also join us on this biblical journey as we take a good look at these Israelites who they're confronted with everything in the wilderness. But what happens is they make it to a promised land. Um, thank you for listening. I know some of that might not have been, it's not easy to hear about the struggles that we're having as the church in America. It's not easy to say it either, if you wondered. But I tell you this, God is up to something good. God is up to something good in the church in America. And I prayed this today. I, I, I prayed it with a couple of people. I pray that we're an example. I pray that a little church in northern Colorado can be an example to every church around it of what happens when you say yes to Jesus. What happens when you pick up the Great Commission? What happens, the vibrancy and the life that comes? So be encouraged. And by the way, notice when I talked about change, 
I didn't talk about music styles. I didn't talk about the color of carpet. I didn't talk about any of that stuff because that's all secondary. That's means to an end. We want to deal with who God has called us to be and walking it faithfully as a church. All right? All right, let me pray for us. Father God, we love you. And Lord, we just thank you that, that you are the God of grace and mercy. And Lord, as, as we do look out at, at a, a church all across America that in so many ways has fallen asleep, that in so many ways has kind of drifted into comfort and drifted into itself, Father, I thank you that you have never been the God that shows up and just wipes your church out for it. You call those who are listening to, to awaken and to rise and to follow you. And so, Lord, we, we want to be like Lazarus. Um, God, we're not talking about everybody, everybody else. There's some of this in us. Lord, it's been easy for us in a time of transition to drift back or to long for what used to be in Egypt. But, Father, we thank you. We thank you for what you're doing. We thank you for who you've made us to be. God, we thank you for 153 years of life. And Father, we thank you that, that even as, as we've experienced all of that, Lord, doors open now from you for us to, to, to go forth and, and to be fruitful. And oh God, to enjoy a harvest that you have for your people today. Lord, give us your grace. Thank you for this sweet, beautiful church. Have your way here. Holy Spirit, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. I've been held in your hands From the moment that I wake up Until I lay my head Oh, I will sing Of the goodness of God And all my life you have been faithful And all my life you have been so, so good With every breath that I am able Oh, I will sing of the goodness of God I love your voice You have led me through the fire in darkest night you are close like no other i've known you as a father i've known you as a friend and i have lived in the goodness of god and to my life you have been faithful all my life you have been so, so good With every breath that I am able Oh, I will sing of the goodness of God Your goodness is running after, it's running after me your goodness is running out. 
Let my life lay down I'm surrendered now I give you everything Your goodness is running after It's running after me And all my life you have been faithful Yeah, sing it out And all my life you have been so Yes. With every breath that I am able, oh, I will sing of the goodness of God. give you all the praise and glory this morning. Amen. So good to worship with you all. Have an awesome week. If you have the gift of deed decorating, remember Wednesday, if you need prayer, right over there. But now may the Lord bless you and keep you and make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May God turn his face toward us all and give us grace. God bless you.